Yo, yo, what's good, guys? And welcome to another brand new episode of the award-winning Top 10 Entrepreneurship Podcast in the Universe. Yes, guys, you are listening to the world-famous Behind the Baller Podcast. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. This is a Dust Brothers production. Miles and Jordan are seven-time seven-time podcast producers of the year. As always, every episode is recorded in 8K high Doge Phoenician stereo sound. What's up, guys? It's a beautiful Thursday. It's been a little muggy here in Los Angeles. We're very humid, very spooky, weird-ass weather. A lot of weird shit's going on. The hurricanes in, in the South, my prayers go out to all of them. There's uh, shit going on in Louisiana. New York right now has flooding. I saw shit in Brooklyn, and it's like the fucking rain is... The water is up to uh, almost fucking above waist level. Subways are fucking flooding. This, this shit is crazy. You know what? The world is... The rapture is near, okay? Shit is crazy. Before we talk about anything at all, period, guys, I have to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am at a loss of words in general, in life, in everything. I don't know what's going on. I feel weird. I have headaches, a lot of anxiety, a lot of different feelings. And uh, with that, I can't articulate myself as, you know, as good as I'd like to, you know, and, and I'm not able to really just break down shit and be as clever and as witty as I usually am. Um, it, it Just what's been going on has been has taken a lot, you know, it's taken a toll out of me. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's the pandemic, you know, some people money gives them a hard on. And for me, that's, you know, it's just not, it's, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, my boy Pomp said something really, uh, just hit me different. He said he used to look up to people that had a lot of money. And now he looks up to people who have a lot of time. And I felt that, you know, I could easily have five, 10 more million dollars. I could take every job, interact with everyone and just something just, you know, I don't know what it was, but it just clicked like, nah, man, you know, daddy gang, you know, how do you not look at your children, fathers, mothers, parents listening to this podcast? How do you not look at each one of your kids and just be like, man, fuck. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. I go pick up Kaya from school. You know, it's her first time really in school. And she just, I just look at her and she'll tell me about her day and like boys were teasing her or something. You know, every single day she has some different story. I just look at her. I just want to just, I just want to break shit because she's so beautiful, you know. And uh, um, right now, you know, um, it's early as hell. I'm looking at Ryder. And Ryder's just laying down, slept with me. He's driving me crazy. Throughout the whole pandemic, he slept with me. He doesn't sleep in his own room anymore. Neither does Ryder, London, or Kaya. It's just crazy how you not look at your kids and just say, damn, it's the most beautiful thing in the world, right? And again, of course, everyone should have their own life. I did it differently. I mean, I was almost a dad at 22, you know? Think about that. I'd have a 26-year-old kid right now. You know, I wanted to have a certain position in life before I brought anyone else into this world. 
So, you know, it's it, so far it's been going the way I wanted to, except for the fact that obviously I can't control, you know, London's health issues. So with that said, one, I appreciate all the love, all the DMs, all the calls, everything. I really do. I appreciate it so much. And um, we're getting through it. To be honest with you, I have had three days of the best back to back to back. I don't want to jinx it because it's only been three days. But Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday were just perfect days for London. He went to school, no issues, nothing. He's responding. He's talking. He is uh, more attentive. He's not on his fucking, you know, 10-second attention span. And, uh, you know, I took his phone away, which, uh, you know, he's never had a phone taken away for this long. He didn't have it for like four days. But uh, I'm going to get back to him today probably just because he's really, really being a different person. You know, we've been playing Uno, we've been playing board games. He's just been, you know, just been a different kid. So again, I appreciate everybody, you know, reaching out and everything. And yes, we're going to get therapy and he's going he's to start uh, seeing a, a therapist and um, because it's, it's beyond my control now. I'm not a professional. You see that? It's like me trying to speak on something and, and, and these people do it. So you could say anything you fucking want and someone believes you, boom, all of a sudden it becomes facts. That's not how the world works, guys. And I understand that some people out there who don't have the money to get a therapist and don't whatever, I feel for you guys. It's cool. You know what? I went through hell all my life. I worked shitty jobs. I, you know, did this. I did that. You name it. A to Z, one to one zillion. I did it. So I'm in a position that I'm in now because I put myself here. So, you know, it's basically I worked for it. I earned it. So I have resources. Anyways, let's get to some more important things I need to talk about. Uh, Guys, it's not the end of the world, but we are going to have episodes every Monday continued, and those will be full-fledged BTB episodes, all right? There will no longer be Thursday episodes. Today will be the last one for a long time, or I'm sorry, for a little while. I want to say probably till the holiday season, I figure it out because of what London's therapy sessions and everything else. So what's going to happen is I'm going to give you 100%, 110% on Mondays. The weekend wrap-up will be the entire wrap-up period, the whole week. And what's going to happen is on Saturdays now, we are going to drop starting, uh, let me look at this calendar, guys, sorry. So the football season starts on um, September 12th, right? So on September 11th, what a fucking day. I'm actually going to be in New York at that time. On September 11th, which is, uh, what, nine days away from now, September 11th will be our first Saturday episode, and those episodes will be very short. It might be 10, 20 minutes max, and they are going to consist of our football picks. As you know, the Dust Brothers are professional handicappers. This ain't some Vegas Dave shit. They are fully transparent. I contribute to a certain extent, and we have a full-blown sports betting pick operation happening now. Did very well. We've been doing well. We have fantasy football. We have all that shit cracking, okay? So Saturdays is pretty much going to be a football picks episode. We're going to have a develop, we're probably going to develop a whole different fan base just for that because we're taking it very serious. Um, More details about that will drop on September 11th, but I want to let you guys know that um, there will be, you know, sports talk, everything else, whatever. The recap in Monday Night Football will obviously be on Monday's episodes, but Saturday will be strictly for picks for, 
you know, NFL Sundays. Again, shout out to my bookie, shout out to Underdog Fantasy. We'll be doing that, but full episodes will be on Mondays, and that's where we're going to be doing interviews, whatever you name it. That's what's going to happen. So until I get back on track 100%, I get jewelry shit in order, which I'm starting to clean up. I get my other cannabis stuff in order. I need to just really exhale. It's like I feel like origami right now. And what happened is, I was a flat piece of paper, and then, uh, you know, they're supposed to be like 14 folds. I feel like I've been folded about 7,500 times. So I need to get back to flat, crisp, and then get back, get this origami going. If you don't know what the fuck origami is, then I just don't know what to say to you guys. I really just hope the IQ of the listeners of the BTB Army are (laughs) higher than, than that, right? We have such a fucking random, high, wide audience. It's crazy. It's really all over the fucking place. So, you know, some people understand it, some people don't, but you know what? If you don't, but you rock with me, then I hope that you're learning something. And that's important to me. So anyways, guys, just to reiterate, Mondays will be new episodes. Saturdays will be sports picks, okay? Now, with that said, look, this interview that I am dropping today, we didn't, I was gonna say it to Monday, but I was like, you know what? Let me give these guys something right now while it's hot in my head. I have MC Search from the group Third Base. For anyone over the age 40 or really 40-something, if you're in your early 40s, you should remember Third Base. If you were listening to hip-hop and you ain't some new jack, you know, I don't know what the fuck you were doing back then, but, you know, hip-hop was not what people were listening to back then. It was just different shit. Uh, it was exotic and taboo. So Third Base was a uh, white hip-hop group signed to the legendary Def Jam label during the most legendary time, I feel like, in uh, in hip-hop history. And MC Search was not only just a, you know, a rapper, Sky is, you know, entrepreneur, jack of all trades, but he's involved in possibly the greatest hip-hop album of all time, of all time. Not even arguably, he is literally probably just, yo, this man executive produced Nas Illmatic. We're talking about Masterpiece. We're talking about Bob Marley Legend. This is Michael Jackson Thriller. We're talking that level. I feel like Search is lost in that weird mix of OGs. They're not getting their flowers, not getting their respect. And uh, this is probably my most favorite interview because there's so many things that I relate to with him. We're not that far apart in age, but I grew up listening to this dude. He's actually a really good dancer. There's a lot that this man has done, and he's a father. You know, he raised three beautiful children. They're grown, and it's just, this man is is just a lot that I share in common with this dude. In fact, to be honest with you guys, he is really the real Forrest Gump of hip-hop, okay? So I want to get uh, right into this right now, because, you know, this is a, a new format Thursday. Um, well, sorry. This is the last Thursday episode for a while. And uh, I'll do emergency podcasts, I'm sure. If things are cool and I'll jump in, boom. If Miles and Jordan aren't busy, we're going to get it popping. But right now, let me bring up this MC Search interview. It is fucking excellent. It is one of the best interviews I've done. It is my favorite to date. That is no cap. I'm being dead serious. This man has just lived a fucking unbelievable life. But we're going to get into a commercial, then jump right into the MC Search interview. So Lakey Lake, yo... Drop me some beats. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. We'll be right back, guys. 
Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. School is back, y'all. And the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to teach men a lesson in male hygiene. You can't be at school, a party, or on a date not feeling fresh and fly, fellas. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and hair and nose trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, toner, plus two free gifts performance boxer briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? This package also comes with the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in both your nose and ear. After trimming your little ballers, show them some love with the Manscaped Liquid Formulations, the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. I use all of them, by the way. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. One is a comfy front pack for your balls, and the other is a backpack for your goods. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BALLER at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BALLER at manscaped.com. This year, guys, graduate with a degree in clean from Manscaped. Yo, 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 man. Behind the baller. Listen, we have a legend in the building. I said many times that I think that we use a few terms too loosely. One of them is legend. One of them is celebrity. Um, Facto, by the way. Facto on both of those. Yeah, but I'm going to be honest with you. This is something, as much as you have heard about my life through this podcast and through the 80s and all those things that I've gone through in my entire life, you have to understand what it was like to look at this man's record, to play this record, to hear this record in the, you know, 18 and under clubs, to hear this record on, you know, see it on MTV, see it on the video box, see it on everything you could think of, and then to finally be here, and this man has, you think what I've done a lot in hip-hop? Jesus Christ. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, we have my man MC Search from Third Base in the house. Facto. <laughs> ben Baller. Behind the Baller is definitely is definitely a quasi-pause for me right there, but we're going to go with it. I love I mean, this show, by the way, and I love you, brother. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate it, man. It's, it's, it's crazy that uh, I don't know where to begin, so I feel like this might be a two- to three-part interview over in the next couple years, honestly, because <laughs> there's there's a lot that I feel like, um, I mean, dude, like, you know, I see you on Zoom and whatever. Now to be in person, it's different. But, like, I thought about it, and last time I saw you was literally 25 fucking years ago, like at the Beverly Center, you know, Right, right, right. You know, right. And, I, and I have the last emperor on Aftermath Entertainment, and we're like, I have nine artists on Aftermath Entertainment, and you're like, you know, and you're doing your thing still at this time. This is like 97, 96, circa yeah, around I was, then. I was actually out here, when I met you, I was out here not only promoting the second Nas album, working on It Was Written, um, but I was also just started working with Mark Echo, and we were out here for an Echo Unlimited uh, event um, that we were doing with uh, Vibe Magazine. That's crazy you said that. So on a Forrest Gump moment, I remember when Dre <laughs> no, no, gave... No, no, I'm the Forrest Gump of hip-hop. Right. Don't fucking... Don't steal my shit, bro. When, when, when Dre 
submitted and sent a beat to Nas for it was written. I was like, yo, you gonna give him this shit? Because he was like, yo, Nas, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, Dre, what's up, man? That's crazy. You were working on the album then. Well, yeah, I executive produced Illmatic and it was written. Right. We're gonna get into that in a second. That's crazy. And the other thing is, was, um, you know, we, we had the firm. Yeah. So we had Nas. And also, yeah, yeah, and also one of your, what I believe to, at least I think I believe one of your personal favorite records, OC Word Life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So executive produced that as well. Um, crazy, crazy shit. I, you know what? Mike Rapport brought up OC like a year ago on something. And I was like, motherfuckers don't know. Like, they don't yeah, know. He, like He loves, like, there's an album cut on that album. He loves, um, it's a mob deep. It's called uh, a No Main Topic. And it's the original Mob Deep um, from uh, Halfway Crooks. Your first time will be your last Earth memory. That's one of his favorite records. I mean, that OC. I just think about, even when I think about flamboyant entertainment. Oh, yeah. When I think of fucking, you know, yeah. um, my Big man, L. Big L. And I yeah. think about like, you Children know. Children of the Corn. When we think about even, you know, like. Which was Murder Mace, yeah. a.k.a. Mace, Killer Cam, a.k.a. Cameron. Right. And Big L. And then I think about things like. Watching the other day, I'm just sitting and whatever's on TV is on TV. And it's uh, uh, Ridley Scott was the fuck American gangster. And you see Rizza and he's taking Denzel to jail finally at the end. And I'm thinking, like, yo, dog, I wish motherfuckers really understood what this man meant. Let's just take away Wu Tang, okay? You can't take away Grave Diggers. You can't take away, it's just, just so much other shit that just like, this is ridiculous. Well, you know, it's also, like, you know, you look at Wu Wear. You look at the W from Wu-Tang and the power that that clothing line has had yeah. over the years, licensing and all of that. And, you know, certainly you from an entrepreneurial standpoint can respect that, just what you've done with the BB and, and how much licensing and that's like, you've done. I think it's a joke because like me, like whatever, but like, dog, I was doing a meet and greet six, seven years ago in Seattle, Okay. Had a meet and greet. It was successful, whatever, for what it was. It was for this, this watch I did that was like under 100 bucks. It was at Zoomies, and it was cool. I get to the airport, and I see Raekwon. He's with Supreme, right? Supreme from that crew, not Supreme, Supreme, right? So I see Raekwon, and I'm like, oh, shit, Ray. Like, you know, I've seen Ray maybe seven times in my life, two on a personal level. One in Steve Rifkin's office on a personal level, two at the airport now. And I'm like, yo, and Supreme's like, yo, this is Ben. But he's like, yeah, I know what that is. You know, I used to do some shit with LRG. We take a picture, get on the plane. I don't want to put my man on blast, but like, yo, bro, like he's not even sitting first class and it fucked me up. Like, you know, it put, because this ain't even a pedestal. I put this dude on a fucking, on a, on a, on a monument, on a fucking, you know, on the, the. He's on Mount Vesuvius. He's on the peak of Mount Vesuvius with the lightning bolt. Yes. The apex. The you apex. Know? And I'm like. Floating on clouds about be to kidding bomb me. dudes. I put him over meth. Actually, lyrically, you know, I put him over, you know, what I'm saying ghost. Purple I put tape, him, bro. yeah. I mean, I'm just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. It hurt my heart, you know. And even seeing him all now, he's just, you know, it's humble and seeing him, but just, just a different time that we're in, right. you know. This ain't like no regular podcast intro or nothing or interview or whatever. But when we start thinking about these things, yesterday, I kind of gave you a little story about how rough my day was. Right. Okay. I don't know what the fuck happened to my phone, okay? All of a sudden, it's playing Donda. And I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit. All of a sudden, it just starts playing Donda. And I'm like, okay, shit. You know, and I'm kind of vibing quite a little bit because it's a different version than the version I had a month ago. 
And I'm like, oh shit, there's 15 songs that I never heard before. Like, okay, cool. And I wasn't giving, I was very critical of him. Mm -hmm. I know Yang. I was being very critical. I said, this album is buns. This album is, I'm not giving you whatever, boom. And now I'm hearing the new shit. I'm like, okay, boom. Somehow, some way, my Apple Music doesn't continue playing Donda. Okay? I'm thinking it's going to go into the next song. I'm in the mood I told you I'm in. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I've already told my listeners on today's episode uh, that just came out today of how upset I've been. I'm in traffic. And I hear this. Where I'm from. Where I'm like, listen, I haven't heard Dig Old Planets in, no, no bullshit. It might be 15 years since I even heard it. Why the fuck did it pop? And this is my music, not Apple Shuffle from Apple's library. Right. So I'm thinking, Ladybug, like, you know. Butterfly. Yeah. And I met all these people, right? I'm thinking like, yo, that era was, you know what I'm saying? I mean, am I tripping? That's the era. You you camp in that era. So yes. I came I came a before. little before it, but I was still involved in the music. So when they but were you doing- you were the man, I'm saying, when that record came out, you were already, I mean, you were- you were Yeah, I mean, to, I was in the game heavy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like the house was paid, you know, yeah. the, the cars were laid out in the driveway, you know? Wifey was looking good. The diamond was getting upgraded. Not by Ben at the time, but no, for sure. some other Jew on uh, the Diamond District taking care of the boy. So, but, but yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we were for all intent and purpose, you know, heavy. You know, um, Searchlight, you know, we had Nas, we had OC, you know, we were doing our thing. And the reason why I bring it up is because, one, it really happened. I'm listening to this Digwell Planets album that I liked, Right. Um, I forgot the DJ's name from Diggle Planets, but Doodlebug. Was it not Doodle? Okay, my bad. I'm sorry. The DJ from fuck, I forgot what the fuck it was. There was another DJ. I forgot what documentary I'm tripping, but it's still. I know it was in the same thing. Like if I'm thinking of Tribe Busta, Jungle Brothers, they're all from um, Native Tongues. Native Tongues. So I'm thinking of all this shit, and I sit back. I think of somebody here on the West Coast side, my homegirl Keisha Anderson. Ruthless Records. Her brothers, Jamal Anderson, played for the Atlanta Falcons. Other brother, Jaleel. Another brother, JJ, all part of the Ruthless Records, all part of just been in the music business. Her dad was Mike Tyson's right hand man, and everything else. Keisha had a baby with Doodlebug. So, like, I'm just saying this crazy thing, right? Um, I haven't heard from any of these dudes in so many years. Okay. It's sad when I heard that someone from I forgot what fucking group was driving the dollar cab. Not Jerry the Damager, but it was someone else. Capadonna in Baltimore. Okay, yeah. And then someone was working at the fucking New Jersey Turnpike. Who's, uh, do you know what I'm talking about or no? I think it might have been someone from... Main from no, it was that, well, it might have been one of the DJs from the main source. Or it might have been someone else like from Lords of the Underground, but it's not important. But I think about, yo, man seeing special ed out a lot back in the day and certain things hearing d nice talking about he was already old school motherfucker i'm 22 or 23 like how am i old school or however however old he was and to see him have this be the pandemic dj and have this you know this glow up and i remember when i was djing parties and seeing d nice and wherever i'm like okay cool and seeing him be something that's beautiful but for the people who haven't been able to translate even if you had you know some sort of fame to have something that's relatable to now and like to just have something today 
that yeah. fucked me up when I heard the Dig About Planets. And I knew that we was going to have this interview today. Well, there's two sides of it, Ben. Like, so wait, the way I look at it is two sides, right? So, and I've said this to a lot of my people. It's not the strong who survives, it's the flexible, right? And there ain't nothing wrong with being sensible. That's some grown man shit I'm sending you, and one day you're going to have a YG you're going to send that to. But um, the importance of all of this is, look, at the end of the day, you got to pay bills. One of the stories that, that, is, that you'll like, you know, that goes into the Ben Baller archive, is there was a group that was signed to Wild Pitch back in the day before I got involved called the UMCs. They had a record called Blue Cheese. Oh, um, and the guy who ran the label was a guy named Stu Fine. Stu Fine ran that label, and the group did- not to be, but not to be mistaken for the Ultramagnetic MCs. Just so you guys Correct. know, no, definitely not. It was it was confusing uh, just, even back then. Just, just I don't think there's a 23 year old who knows what <laughs> Ultramagnetic versus UM first Blue MCs. Anyway, that's not the point of story. Point of story I'm trying to make is this: those kids had a hit. You know, uh, Blue Cheese was a legitimate hit, and they were broke. And the label rep, Stu Fine, went to the projects to bring this dude a birthday cake on his birthday. And these dudes couldn't even afford the lights. And when this dude showed up with a birthday cake, they wound up mashing him and throwing him in the dumpster, talking about, the fuck you bringing us a cake for? Like, we can't even fucking feed our kids. The fuck you bringing us a fucking cake for? Like, how fucking tone deaf are you, right? They mashed them, threw them in the fucking garbage. I believe that there are choices that we make as artists, and then there's choices that we make as men. And at the end of the day, if you're not able to feed your family, then there is no shame in pushing a dollar cab or working at a toll. Now look at Terminator X, public enemy. My man just, just left the post office with a pension, 35 years at the post office, did his thing. He's going to walk off into the sunset to me. And this is just, and look, this ain't your life, Ben. Ain't my life. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just built different. I'm just not going to have the same scenario. But dude, you want me to keep it 100 with you? Three years ago, four years ago, I was working at a car wash. Just because I love working at car washes. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I was in a place in my life, bro, where I just didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. Damn. I was lost. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. My man owned a car wash. I was like, you know what? It might be kind of dope being a manager of a car wash for a minute. And I worked for like a month at a car wash. Learning the business, learning how to run did cars anybody, under the canopy. Did anyone even say, hey, you man, are you? Yeah, Nick man? Anderson. Nick Anderson, Shaquille. They were like, sir, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I'm washing cars. I just, it was like 2017. I was like five or six years in recovery. Just didn't know what the fuck I wanted to recovery do. Recovery from? Uh, I was addicted to marijuana. I was an addict. Come on, man. I know that's crazy. I know you and fucking, you and Nori are going to say the same shit. The truth of the matter is that when I smoke weed, something happens. Something happens. And I think it's because I'm also diagnosed manic bipolar. And I just think that something happens. And when it does, okay. it just triggers then, then something that's equalizer with me. Then because I smoke every day. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And that's good. And listen, and be clear about something. Like, I think all drugs should be legalized. Like, I'm, and I'm not about like, 
this is this and this is this, you know, and, and all of that. Like for me, I was able to identify addiction 10 years ago, not because I used my drug of choice, my DOC was weed, but because through a 12-step program, I realized that I had character defects that I wasn't looking at inside of me. Right. And those were the things that were making me smoke. Those were the things that I was yeah. challenged with not looking at. And I was, it was fear-based. That was your release and, too, yeah. So it was a lot of that. So now I don't need anything. You know, four years later, bro, happier than I've ever been. I've built a business that is bigger than it's ever been. You drink coffee? The, Decaf. And only decaf iced coffee. Decaf iced coffee, since I'm a kid, just love decaf iced coffee. Damn. Um, no caffeine. I mean, I'm still a fat bastard, but I need to like, I'm, I'm working on that too. You know what I'm <laughs> how, saying? how much did you weigh in 1988, you think? Uh, I know how much I weighed. I was 212 pounds. So you think you're about, you're about the same now? Or you think? Oh, you're... hell no. I'm 270, 265. Let, let me ask you, man. Look, look. I had to pull the video up like maybe two, three months ago when we was talking. Bro, could you fucking still dance that good? Oh, hell yeah. But you got to remember, I, I just had my hip replaced. I'm an old man, bro. I know. Just had a hip, I just had, I, my joke with my kids is like, they say, Dad, how you feeling? I'm like, I'm 100% hip, about 85% hop. I'll get my full hip hop right soon. You know, going to physical therapy, doing my bike, getting on a Peloton, fucking with Alex Tucson, fucking right. with Dennis Morton. You know, just I just with those still dudes. can't believe how well you can gig. Like I was like, this motherfucker Dude, really. I that, used listen, to, ready for this? A lot of people didn't know this. I've never said it publicly, only on the podcast. So if you listen to the podcast, this is like way, way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I broke down that I was in a very small town, suburb of Berkeley, called Albany. And there's some weird, funny things that have come out of that school. Really weird, just by by random chance. And um, it was because I got kicked out of school out here. And I, you know, I fucked up my scholarship for college, but I ended up still getting my scholarship. But there was a lot of people that came out of there. Now, one of them is a dude named Pep Love, another guy named Jay Biz, both from uh, the hieroglyphics, right? And Souls of Mischief, all that, whatever. Um, there was a rapper. That's, Shout out to A Plus, by the way. Yeah, who's in recovery? So there's another uh, dude who came out of Albany High named Lil B the Bass God. Okay, there's a girl who I think she's trash, but her name is Lil Debbie. She's a rapper, or whatever. She's uh -huh. fucking horrible. But that they were really hip on music, and they were really particular about shit. Right? This is the era of Too Short. This was the era of Guy. You know, Groove Me, Teddy's Jam, and this record comes on, and I'm like, Yo, who the fuck? This white boy could dance, and people are like he can't just not just he can just dance. Some motherfucker got a real fade like this. This, and you know, found out you're Jewish. You know what I'm saying? Half my family's Jewish. You know, so I'm like, yo, this is everything is just clicking. On you hit up all the spots, and it was weird. Like I, I checked all the boxes. Checked all the boxes. I think I appreciate about, that, like, Ben. Thank you. I think about my life, and I think about like, look, there's like a movie war here. You got two dudes who are fucking such beasts. One went to the army, went to the sweater boom. His dad's Nick Nolte. You know, they got the other son who's a teacher and blah, blah, separate paths. And it was like, I felt like that was my life in a way. Like, I, But I was both twins. I went uh, the opposite direction where all my homies from LA, they stayed and they, they, they had like everything brought to them. I had to go get it myself. You know, it's a lot harder when facto. you have to go find it. Yeah, facto. So, you know, that hip hop scene out there, you know, it was, it was a trip. Jump to where we are now. You're here. Three grown kids. Beautiful. You've done it to me. I don't give a fuck if you worked at a car wash. I don't give a fuck if you were the dude who had to fucking shave people's penis hair on a, on a porn set. Bro, you've made it to me. 
you know what I'm saying? I just said it just recently. I said, look, if someone said, write a check for $5 million and your son is going to be all right, like everything about his life, whatever, boom, just tell me where to sign because you can't pay for that kind of shit. That's not how God works. It's just some people get it, some people don't. And that's just what it is. And what I mean is I respect what's going on with you, with Rappaport, with his kids, other my other friends that have grown up and their kids of, you know, one of my boys is a grandparent. And I'm like, dog, you a grandfather at 40? Like, God damn, you know, so amen happens. And, and, and it's good and he's fine. He's providing jobs. I've went a different route. I've made a lot of people rich as well. But as a parent, I'm right. I'm still in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Now, yeah. I'm not there at the Genesis, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'm. No, no, no. You're at I'm the halfway point. It. But the one thing, you know, I will share with you about, you know, parenting, um, it pivots. So in the early parts of, of parenting, and for the people that are listening who ain't got seeds, strap up. Um, because um, when your kids are first born, it's all physical. The relationship's all physical. They're, they're feeling the warmth of your hug, your kisses. They're feeling that, that love. Yeah. Then it goes from physical to psychological, right? Like you're teaching them about their well-being, you know, don't touch the stove. It's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, that... But then the relationship becomes totally emotional. Yeah. It's all about emotional stability. It's all about creating an emotional environment where your kids understand that there's penalties, that there is things that they have to realize about themselves as men or women or thems or theys or shims, whatever their preferred pronoun is. Different world and, right, right now. Right. And we as parents, we as elders... In some way, shape, or form, we also have a responsibility of being and sharing the emotional responsibility. You know, you were sharing it a little while ago, how you lost it on your kid. Like, yo, I can't tell you how many times I lost it on my kids. Right. Like, you know, and I had a moment on a Disney ship. We were going on a Disney ship. And um, I had a lot going on. Like, yeah. I, at that moment, I had a lot going on. I was working 20 or 30 records for different labels. We had the number one promotion company in the world. I had the number one, you know, clothing company in the world with Mark Echo. I had, you know, all this stuff going on and my phone is ringing and the kids want to do something. And like, yo, I wound up flipping a coffee table and I'll never forget that my daughter, my oldest daughter was eight years old and she looked at me like she was scared for her life. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I know that there's been a lot of great things I've done for my children. Yeah. I know I've had great moments. My daughter's 27 years old. I still uh, see that face to this I, day. I, already I still see yeah. that scared face in that yeah. big ass room on that Disney ship. You go back to what you were saying about emotional, that point in your life. And you also have to think about this. I had to learn this early. I'm not the type of person to be offended because people misappropriate Korean culture, whatever the fuck it may be. I just have other things to worry about, okay? We don't have the 400 years of oppression. We don't have all the stuff. There's some fucked up shit going on in North Korea, but what I'm saying is for me personally, for me to, to affect me, I'm not that sensitive a person and you guys should know that by now. But what I do know is this. It bothers me sometimes when people say, oh, I'm a mom and dad to a puppy or a dog, whatever, cool. I love animals. It's a great thing. The animal, you never have to worry about what that animal is going to be in society, what they're going to be carrying your last name, your legacy, how they are perceived in the world. That's a different type of pressure that's on a parent too. 
So when you think about that, just from meeting your son for a little bit, I know he's a decent fucking guy. He's a great guy. And yeah. what he has in, in common with your son, that dude's a video game like fiend, bro. Like <laughs> since he was seven years old, brother, like he could break yeah. down Crash Bandicoot and why the game functions no, I, the way it I does. Get it. And who, I get it. Yo, but not only that, like what I'm so proud of my son for is that he's been able to accomplish a great deal so young. Like and that's the one thing like with all three of my kids, like they've been able to like supersede like Dude, my daughter will tell you, if she was right here, what is the first thing you remember your father telling you? And when, as soon as she could stand up, I'd put her in front of the mirror and I'd say, who do you see? And she'd say, I see an African-American, Puerto Rican, Polish, Jewish princess. Because I wanted her to be aware of everything she was. Right. My son, the second I could have him stand up, I said, son, I got one job to make you a better man than I ever was. That's my one job. There it is. You know what I'm saying? And yo, I have exceeded expectations with, with my son. Fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Because he is way better. Way, he makes way better decisions than I've ever made. He is way smarter. He's way more calculated. He's way more thoughtful. He's way more sensitive. He's way more cautious. Right. He's way more loving. He's way more sensitive. Like, he's just better than me in every sense of the word. And I'm so proud of that. Like, no, I can stand on that and be like, yo, you can't fuck with son. And I call him son because he shines like one. When yeah. I talk about my son, it's S-U-N. You know what I'm saying? Because that kid shines. Like, he puts shine in every room he goes to. Funny thing, sidebar. My cousins are Polish Jews from Warsaw. From, my family's from Ludge. Yeah. Ludge, which is right Kalinowski. next door. It's funny. Uh, rest in peace to my uncle Richard. Yeah, he's the OG. OG Polish Jew. So look, now we've talked for fucking 25 minutes and haven't gone to a question. And I'm about to ask you something real quick, okay? Please. If you were 19 years old today, with all the skills, emceeing, swag, whatever, but all the knowledge you possess, you're 19 years old today, 2021, you're 19 years old, okay? Do you think you can make it a as a rapper today in, the game, in today's game? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Like without question. And the main reason is, is because when I was 19, when I was 19, I was seeing the future of the game as it unfolded. And that's still something I possess today. I'm always a little bit ahead of the curve. Like I always see certain things like right now I'm like looking into gaming platforms, investing in gaming platforms that like are just ecosystems and, and sell vacuum contained ecosystems for small batch player groups. Right. And just like, you know, so like I've always been that dude, man. Like I've always been somebody who was like, I see what's next. Who was the rapper at one point, like in this decade, earlier in this decade, he was like the most successful toured rapper, but no one's ever heard him again. I used to work with him. I forgot his name. What am I thinking of? So you're talking about the most successful touring MC that no one ever heard of? Yeah, but he's like, he's famous. Me and you know him. I can't think of... QD3 was the one who brought him in the game. Tech 9. Fucking nay. Jesus Christ. Tech 9. So like, look at Tech 9. Strange Records. He figured out... By the way, I remember Tech Shout 9. out to Chris Calico yeah. and shout out to all those dudes. So QD3 introduced me to Tech 9 in like 95. He was brought this dude out early, and Tech Nine was doing stuff when I was at Priority, whatever. So what I'm getting at is, look at Tech Nine. 
He didn't use none of the traditional shit that all these motherfuckers have. Wasn't into no jiggy shit. Wasn't trying to be no dapper dad. Nothing of them. I mean, from what I remember. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you because I'm going to tell you what he did do. What did he do? He sold fucking records, B. Yeah. He, yo. I, he, that's what I'm and, saying, and, though. Yo, but that's all you have to do. Brother, I'm let's get to the basics, bro. Okay. Let's get to the fucking basics. So, you don't got to fucking have a shiny suit. You got to sell I, I get records. Get to the fans. But how first does and a, foremost. How, how does a rapper today with no contacts, like don't know nobody, like this motherfucker, like my son or somebody who has no friends, right? How does that dude get heard? SoundCloud? Like you tell yeah. me. what do you, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. I mean, there's so many outlets right now, like TikTok, Snapchat, Twitch, Discord. I mean, there's hundreds of ways, bro. Amazon okay. Music. Like, yo, there's so many ways Look, for these kids to get out there. Let, let's take it back, okay? Since we're going back, fuck it. Let's take it back, okay? Okay. What was it like truly in the 80s, early 90s? What was it like being one of the first white rappers to be on MTV, signed to Def Jam before even, well, no, the Beastie Boys were signed before you guys, but what was that like? Because the Beastie Boys were like, you know, they were like this thing. Y'all were a little bit more exotic, if that makes any sense. No, I, well, it, it does make sense. It, you know, how it was framed to us was we were real. Like we were, people saw me, Lord Jamar says something really funny. He's, Lord Jamal said to me, he goes, Lord you know, Jamal hates everybody, by the way, but go on. Lord Jamal said to me, I just interviewed him for a podcast we're doing. Lord Jamal said, he goes, you're a search. He goes, he goes, you were the only one that wasn't a devil to me because I saw you everywhere. <laughs> you, were, you, were at the, you were at the house of Mecca with like Chance Infinite and the guards. And you were, you know, he's like, you're the only one who was not a white devil. You know, I felt, well, let me answer your question. We were... The guys who everyone saw out. Like, we, I was just, I was the Forrest Gump of hip-hop. When Scott LaRock died, I was in the hospital. You know what I'm saying? When, like, when KRS-One battled Melly Mel, I was in the Latin Quarter. You know what I'm saying? When, when, Scott, when, when the South Bronx, ever, the first time it ever got played, I was in the spot. The first, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was the fucking Forrest Gump of hip-hop. I just guys, talked to, Guys, he's not lying. He is not lying. Not as a fucking you. facto, not capo, kid. Like yeah. fucking real. Like I was the Forrest Gump the first time Public Enemy ever hit the stage in the Latin Quarter. I was there. The first time Eric B and Rock Kim and Jazzy Jeff played a stadium, Hinchcliffe College Stadium, Patterson, New Jersey. I was there. The right. first time Fresh Fest ever went out on a tour, I was fucking ironing clothes for Houdini. You just fucked me up for a second. Hold on. I know it's got nothing to do with me or you but it's got something to do with hip-hop. And a lot of people don't realize, of course they hear Summertime and they think of Will Smith and everything else, but a lot of people don't realize when Brand New Funk came out, and even to this day, me and Jeff are still friends. Jazzy Jeff is one of the coldest DJs. He still got Yo, he won the fucking battle for world supremacy three years in a row. He he was a battle DJ. Won the DMC. He's great. I just saw an interview this year. Never put two and two together. I listen to rap styles. I see certain things. There's obvious ones. There's some, there's some obvious. And I'm a DJ, so I have to listen to things different because sometimes people are mixing. Of course, you're hitting the beats. So I'm going to hear the beats before I hear the lyrics, but I know the lyrics, okay? If you heard somebody saying, dumb skittles, dumb skittles, in 1992, like, yo, bro, why are you trying to be DOS effects? You, you know, they're even like, even though Busta, some people were flipping it, it wasn't like that. I never knew 
that people in New York thought that Will was taking Rakim swag on summertime. Here it is. Something that the groove slightly transformed I just a little bit right from the norm. When Rakim said it, and he said he thought he was hearing a remix of his a song of his, it fucked me up. Cause I was like, yo, got goosebumps. Rock, this motherfucker Will really did steal his swag. Like, that's crazy. And the record was already huge. The summer man is cool in the gang. You know? So I don't know. I just thought, I mean, did you have any opinion about that? I mean, we all kind of like kind of looked at him funny. I think there was a period of time from that point <laughs> to like getting jiggy with it where we were like, and he's done. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, good luck in Hollywood. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, do you remember there was a good amount of time where people thought Will Smith was the corniest motherfucker on, on in hip hop? But here's the thing. He really wasn't. Like, parents just don't understand when it was on pop art records in Philly as an independent record. Yeah. That record was banging. Bro, I put in it fucking, in my sophomore year in high school. It, it was banging in fucking Union Square. That shit was banging in a land quarter. Like, that was the record. Then he went to, you know, Jive Records, and they made a, a video with fake graffiti in it. And, yeah, you know, like, yeah. they watered down the dude. Like, he watered, they watered him down. And by the way, I Can Beat Mike Tyson's one of the funniest records ever until they actually made a video for I Can Beat Mike Tyson. Right? Oh, shit. Jazzy I, Jeff yeah. and the Fresh Prince. That record was dope. When you, the One of the things I love about podcasting, right? Yeah. And one of the things that we worked on with, at the Thomas Podcast Company, which is my company, you know, one of the things we did is we spent almost a year and a half understanding how ear headphones work, how fucking speakers and cars work. Yeah. Because theater of the mind is the greatest shit ever. Mm-hmm. When we did the, did I ever tell you the one about Big Daddy Kane? And he's yeah. talking about kicking somebody in the back of the head on 40 dudes. You hear the fucking leg go from the, le- the left to the boop and then right. Yo, we fucking, that shit took like a day in the studio. Like, no, the thump is in the wrong place. Like, no, it should hit the center speaker. Yeah. Yo, Theater of the Mind was great. And when I heard, I think I could beat Mike Tyson. I could tell you straight up, I was in my man's car. We were smoking dust blunts. And we were like, yo, this is the funniest shit ever because we could visualize like yeah. getting drunk. Fucking with Mike Tyson in the Latin Quarter. Mike would knock somebody out in the second round at Madison Square Garden. And before the sweat was wiped off the fucking, he was in the Latin Quarter in a felaw suit getting a drink. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we would like, yo, you know what? That's a little motherfucker. You know what? If I smoke a little more of this dust blunt, I think I could beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> and and then the motherfucker made a record. And I'm like, yo, this is the funny shit ever. And then they made a video and fucked it all up. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I was fucked up one night in Vegas. I'm with Floyd Mayweather. I came there with him. We came together, came in the same car, entourage, everything. And I've been now a little too comfortable. He's only like 5'8", five, 5'7", five, about 157 pounds, 160. And I'm like, I was a lot lighter then, but probably in better shape. And I was probably like- You look one, great, by the way. No, bro. I'm terrible right now. Thank you, though. I'm about 185. You know, I'm six feet, whatever. And I'm like- I will fuck Floyd up, bro. I was like, I was, I was right next to him, and I was grabbing his shoulder, and he's like, "What's up, man? What's up, dog?" And he's like, "Not drinking. He's pineapple and drinks." I'm like, "Man, I didn't say it to him, but I was like, man, I'm not." You thought this it. The next day, we went to the gym, and I swear to God, I said, "Bro, thank fucking God," 
Because as soon as I, let's say I got that one in, after that, he wasn't tripping on that. I would have never got another punch in. And then he, because I, I, I didn't know the science of what he was looking at, how someone's shoulder drop and right. the way the elbow and the way the finger. And his father sees. was an amazing fighter. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to take your Floyd Mayweather's story and, and double down on it. I'm in the Dominican Republic. I get a call from my homeboy, Kevin Black. Search. Kevin Black. It's black, blacker and blacker. I need you to come to my room right now. Floyd Mayweather's here. So I go to the room. And meanwhile, I'm at, it was at, uh wasn't How Can I Be Down? It was um, Ray Mc, Renee McLean's thing. Anyway, um, uh, shout out to my man, Renee McLean. Love you. Shout bro. out to Peter Thomas too, by the way. Yeah, shout out to Pete Thomas. Anyway, so I go into his room and um, Kevin Black is telling me that he's going to be consulting Floyd Mayweather's record label. He's going to do a record label. Filthy Rich, yeah. And um, I look over on the desk, and Floyd is sitting on the desk. And on his lap is a beautiful mahogany box. It's beautiful. Gold embossed, beautiful. And uh, right on his neck, around his neck, is, is a very heavy-looking Ferrari chain. Right. right? Big Ferrari emblem and whole thing. And Kevin's telling me, you know, Floyd does the search. He's the best record promoter in the game, greatest, yada, da, da, da. He works all the Interscope stuff. He works for everybody. It ain't a record you ain't heard. He ain't work, yada, da, da, da. This is my man, you know, black hyping it up and the whole thing. And I'm just watching Floyd. And the entire time his people are talking to him, all he's doing is taking a chain off his neck, putting it back in the box, taking another chain out and putting it around his neck. The entire conversation. Right. And I said, guys, it's four in the morning. This dude's label's going to fail. I'm going to bed. And that was the only time he looked up. He goes, yo, how are you going to fucking tell me I'm going to fail? I said, oh, I'm sorry. Are you paying attention now? Because when I deal with music people who are serious about making music and the business of music, they don't worry about what chain they got around their neck. They're worried about strategizing how they're going to radio. They're talking about strategizing. And he's certainly not wasting my time when I'm working 80% of every record that comes out of a major label. And by the way, 20% of independent records to tell me to come in here to watch you flip chains around your neck. So he started telling me about a strategy about vans and all this. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You having a van around Houston ain't going to help you sell a record. I'm like, your label's going to flop. Kevin, thank you. I'm out. And that's my Floyd Mayweather story. Jesus Christ. Any good Beastie Boy stories? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the best Beastie Boy story is the one that um, they tell in the book. Actually, so I'm wearing right now a chain on my neck. It's uh, the gift that they got from their nomination, the book nomination. It's okay. a little tag. So the best story is when they were signed to Def Jam and they were going between Def Jam and Capital. Capital um, I went to Mike D's apartment, which was right up the block on Bower Street from Russell. And I went up to see Mike. And Mike's homeboy was a guy named The Captain, Sean The Captain Karasov, may he rest in peace. And um, they, were, they were upstairs and they were chilling. And um, I went upstairs and I said, look, we're having a... Tough time with Russell. Like, third base had been on the shelf for like a year and a half. Like, we don't know what to do. Like, you know. And he started breaking it down. He's like, look, 
you know, it's a business. Like, don't don't think they're your friends. Like, don't think, you know, all the stuff that's in the book and in the movie, he pretty much said verbatim. Um, but as I was leaving, he started throwing shit at me, like sponges and like a fucking, like a seashell and laughing. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, this is kind of like a weird interaction at the end of like a real, like sincere interaction. I'm like, okay, man, you're fucking bananas, right? So I leave and like, I don't know, it must have been like four or five months later, Spin Magazine. I'm reading Spin Magazine. And they're talking to the writer in Spin. And they asked them, what do you think of third base? And we had not released our album yet. We had just had some noise and some singles and people were new enough. And Mike said in the magazine, yeah, you know, he came by my apartment and asked me some advice. I threw shit at him. I was like, oh, word? All right, fuck you. And that's how Sons of Third Base got made. Oh, shit. That's, how, that's why we made the disc record. Um, so anyway, since then, we've become super cool. Like, I love those dudes. And not only that, before Yauk passed, he had a documentary about um, New York City basketball called Gunner for the Number One Spot. And he wound up doing my syndicated radio show and we started talking about his disc record of me and my disc record of him anyway long story short it was all to the good i know this may be tough but for you it's not tough okay top five mcs ever oh dead or alive. it hasn't hasn't changed that's not accurate it's changed <laughs> once it changed so my top five of all time rakim chuck d krs nas black thought Jay has been bumped to six. Let me ask you a question, man. Okay. 1986 to 1992. If you tell me that O'Shea Jackson wasn't a motherfucker. He definitely was. Okay. So he, not only was he, I'll, I'll tell you a great story. Here's a great O'Shea Jackson story. Okay. I go into Def Jam. I see Ice. Cute. He's in, he's in Def Jam in New York. Okay. I said, yo, what are you doing here? He says, yo, I'm, I'm going to be working on my album. I said, New York? He said, yeah. Oh, Bomb Squad days, okay. Aha, uh-huh. here's where I'm going to fuck your whole mind up. Fast forward now to 2013. I'm at the reinvigorated Arsenio Hall show. I'm talking about my talk show on CBS. Mac Miller, may he rest in peace, is co-host. Okay. With Cube dead, talk about whatever he's going to talk about. And Cube says, remember when we met in New York? I said, yeah, of course. He goes, remember how I told you I was working on my album? I said, yeah. He goes, the truth of the matter was, I was there to work with Sam Sever, who produced all of Third Base. Yeah. And I said, really? I said, what happened? He said, Sam never showed up. I said, what do you mean, Sam? He said, yeah. He said, I called Leon Russell. We fucked with Dre, all of us fucked with the Cactus album so heavy, those beats were so crazy. In fact, if you think about it, a lot of those beats and those sounds Dre used for Straight Outta Compton. Right. He said, I love Sam's production so much. And he didn't even know he was white, by the way. He said, I fucked with him so much that I came out to New York just to fuck with him, and he never showed up. And Chuck was working on a record called Burn Hollywood Burn, with Big Daddy Kane down the block on Green Street. And I went over there, and that's how America's 
most wanted got created because Sam Seven never showed up. Because I went all the way to New York to meet Sam Seven, he never showed up. Um, a cameo, doing a cameo. But by the way, Cube is a motherfucker oh, and is in my top twenty. And I'm gonna tell sure. you right now, I'm doing a cameo in the Song Cry video. I ain't seen Jay in two or three years, maybe. Right, me and Dame always stay in touch. Me and Biggs always stay in touch. Shooting at Michael Jackson's house. We're shooting at different random parts of the city. We're in Chinatown in Los Angeles. I go into Jay's trailer, Hove, and he's listening to America's Most Wanted. Now, that right there fucked me up. I was like, damn, dog. Out of all the shit you could be listening to, you know, boom. But I mean, that was one of my favorite albums ever. How militant he was on me that too. record. Me too. Know? So I just was just curious if you thought, because I still think Cube is up there in top 10, like, lyricist wise and I know you go deeper in this and that KRS was dope he just never did I, it wasn't never my favorite I listened to it and he was great but just something about it I don't know what it was but that's your top five it's not yeah, mine no and saying. that and I always say to people I don't like to use finite terms I really try not to use words like always and never and all that right but I, in this case I always tell people my top five does not have to be your top five and no, what sure. what I love does not have to be what your love it's art and it's objective right no, for sure, bro. This is crazy. Let me ask you, what you so that was ninety one, maybe? Ninety? Ninety one. Okay. Ninety, what, I'm sorry. Was 90. Def Jam on Varick Street then? Or what were the, do you remember? The, so they were on Elizabeth Street okay. and then they went to Broadway. Before they went to Varick. They didn't go to Varick till like ninety four, ninety five. God damn, bro. Favorite rapper who has never really got his flowers. O C. O C. O C without question. O C without question. <laughs> And I have really taken it upon myself. And this is really through because of my work in recovery and making amends because I really do believe that, like, the worst thing that happened to OC and Word Life was Wild Pitch Records, but also me being the executive. Am I crazy? No, no, I'm tripping. That's Patrick Moxie's different. That was, that was Payday. Right. Wild Pitch is different. Okay. Yeah, he put out Jewels. Okay. Could you please tell the, my followers... This is the original reason why I reached out to you. Um, there Not because I reasons. begged you for months? Please, bro, stop it. I reached out to you before anything. I'm talking about way, way back when I reached out to you. When I heard that N.F. Duma had died, mm -hmm. I just said, there's people who I know. Oh, how could you be this, this, and this? There are people who might know every single fiber in the shoe that Kanye's worn for the last 20 years but not, know, really, not really know shit about what was going on because I love when people say, oh, it's crazy when you do mushrooms, you do this, this. Have you ever done mushrooms before? No, but I know everything about it. Okay, it's great. Doc. I hate people like that. That People say, oh, you shouldn't use the word, hey, it's so strong. Fuck you. I don't like people who talk about third base and don't remember what it was like in real time. So I really mean this when I say that, right? My boy DJ Homicide one of the baddest motherfucking DJs in the world. fucking man. Right? One of my closest friends of my life. You know, people forget that this motherfucker was original member of the Alcoholics. Absolutely. All kinds of stuff. Sugar Ray, everything, boom. He didn't even know that besides, I, I had to find out, then tell him, we didn't know Zev Love X was MF Doom. We had no idea. Yeah. Okay? We had to go find out, boom. And I'm thinking like, yo, Peach Fuzz, fam, Cam, do you remember the, the Dante, da, 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 this and that. Could you please tell the BTB Army what was your relationship with MF Doom, a.k.a. Zeph Love X, from the beginning of his career to the day he passed? So I met MF Doom when he was Daniel Dumoulay. He was 14 years old. And Four, we, did you say 14? Mm -hmm. He's 14 years old, and it was 
originally my homeboy I met, I met on the Long Beach boardwalk. It was me, I met Otis. And then I met an Otis, took me to Ahmed's house. And I met Otis. Long Beach here? Long Beach, Long Island. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. The original Long Beach. Okay. Get, I'm thinking Long Beach, like LBC. Get Go used ahead. to it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Long Beach, Long Island. Um, what I used to do when I, when I was putting out independent records before third base, I had two singles I put out independently. So I would go like bop around and try to like, you know, get a little shine for myself because I was like a rapper and you could hear my record on Chuck Chill Out, you know, and, and all that. So I would go out, you know, in Far Rockaway, they already knew me. But if I rode my bike to Long Beach, which was like a 30 minute ride, like it was a whole new world. And I met some dudes. Um that were like trying to kick it to some girls. And of course, I'm definitely feeling that whole vibe. It was my man Ahmed. And Ahmed introduced me to Otis. And then we went, they went to his basement. They introduced me to GYP Posse. And then I met um, D- Daniel Dumoulin. And his nickname was Doom. Well, his original nickname was Art. That's what his name was, Art, because he loved drawing. Um, he shared it. He Did shared you just the, say you got int- I thought you were part of Get Yours Posse. I was. But there was... The Get Your Posse existed before me. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Right. right. Um, so art. I've always claimed Get Your Posse is my own because I feel like I propelled it into the mainstream. If no, you no, will. for sure, for sure. Quote, I just thought, I thought that that was like. Right. Yeah. But that was my crew. Like I was initiated into that crew and that was my crew. So I met Daniel Dumoulin. We all called him Doom because Dumoulin, Doom is last name. And his brother, um, Heem. And... Um, Heem was the barber in the neighborhood. That, that's what he did. And I had this big-ass Jufro. I was 18 years old, 19 years old. I had a big-ass Jufro. And um, Heem was the barber in, in the neighborhood. And um, he was the one who gave me my hot top fade. He was the one who cut third base and back my head. Damn, bro, that's legendary. My man. And then we just, I told him, I said, look, if I get on, you get on. And the thing was, it was funny because, you know, Doom would write. But he never like rhymed in front of me. Like he would always say little like lines here and there. But like he was quiet because he was like 15, 16, you know, quiet. And then, you know, we got on and it was like one of the last songs on the album was Gas Face because we had done the majority of the work with Sam Seville. But Russell wanted us to have like two bigger name producers. So we worked with the Bomb Squad on 7 to the AM right. and Oval Office. And then we worked with Prince Paul on Brooklyn Queens. And me and, the, me and my boys had this line, this gas face we used to say all the time. Like people always hear like people like, you know, Chris Webber when somebody gets dunked on in the playoffs. They're like, oh, he just gave him the gas face. You know, or when somebody like my man Scott Van Pelt, shout out to SVP on ESPN, when somebody gets struck out with the high heater. Like, it's like, oh, got the gas face. Or when somebody hits a home run out, he's like, gas face given? I beg to differ, right? So it's now become like the sports analogy, right? Yeah. So, but gas face was a term that like we used to say that when you, we used to spend our gas money to go to the mall and get just by chicks and they scrunch their face up and look at us crazy. We're like, damn, we spent all that gas to get that face. That's how the gas face term came. Damn, I never knew so, that. So we were like, oh, we're going to make this record. So we, I asked Doom, I said, hey, how do you feel about this record being Gas Face with Prince Paul? So if you think about Doom's verse, Zevlov X, X Evolves, 
A gas face can either be a smile or a smirk when a pierce a monkey wrench to cork one's clockwork. Yeah. Perking his brim to the rim of my cup. Don't tempt me empty. So fill her up as I'm talking coffee or cocoa as you loco. Cash or credit for unleaded at Sunoco. Sunoco. So he's saying, what he's saying is basically like, oh, like that's all the money to get to. I get, get it. Her th- right. So that's what the verse was about. So that's how we got on. And then, you know, subsequently we made the deal with, with uh, Electra. Dante signed them. And, Wait, so um, was Sylvia Rome then, or no? Uh, no, it was a guy named Bob Krasnow. Bob Krasnow was the head of Electra at the time. Okay. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, Mr. Hood was made. And, um, you know. Jesus Christ. So yeah, so then. Do you think that was the original era of Backpack? That oh, was yeah. Like, that was oh, the yeah, original. without question. And to me, like, it was, and the other thing is, when I think about that era, you know, we talk about, like, you know, native tongues, right? Like. I always catch feelings that third base wasn't like the the white friends of the native tongues. Like we were the white friends of the native tongues. You know why? Because my label, Idler's Records, where I put out my record, the very next record, the money that was made from my mother's label that she started to put out her son's record, the next record was the Jungle Brothers. Yeah. So we put out that. How about this? To me, personally, in 1993, when Midnight Marauders dropped, okay, there was a few five mic albums. Wasn't that one of them? Yes. Okay. And, um, you know, these five mic albums, you know, I'm sorry. I love hip hop to a certain extent. I love it. At one point, it was all I lived, ate, and drank, and breathed. And that's what, how you felt. But I mean, that is truly a record from one to 15 that you just don't stop playing, right? You just go all the way into it. It's a fact. Though. Seeing the album cover, seeing Pete, seeing you on there, seeing in, in all the little hats, you know, the little mm-hmm. heads. I said, whoever's on this motherfucker right here, you've made it, right? Even Fat Lip from Farside is on there. You know, I'm just saying, like, dude, you, 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 you I met an Otis from GYP are on there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, y'all made it. You know, like, I didn't even know who the fuck Steve Biko was, right? I would just say this shit, right? Steve Biko, like, boom, and here and there, whatever. You know, me and Ali Shamhi Muhammad, and be like, yo, Steve Biko. Like, oh, you know Steve? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't know. Is that really a dude? Like, come on, man. Like, you know, because. <laughs> People don't know. People who are there's 99% of the people listening to me say that right now have no idea what the fuck I'm talking yeah, about. And I they don't, don't have care. a lot. Yeah, I don't have a lot of followers over 45, but this is a history lesson. Right. So when you when you're talking about Zev Love X, right? Did you think when KMD came out? Don't give me no bullshit answer too, please. I want you to be honest. I I told Jay-Z on the 20th anniversary of Reasonable Doubt, I didn't think he was gonna be that big. Okay. When Dante signed KMD, did you think that Zev Love X had a career like even five, ten years after that? Or yeah, of course. But oh, the, so you did. But, then. Yeah, but the difference was after the record came out, and I, after I saw, well, there, there was a, a lot of triggers, right? So there was personal triggers, there was professional triggers, there was a lot of things that happened after it. But just seeing them in a studio, like I'd never seen Doom in a studio like that, right? I just there was something special about that Subrock too. May he rest in peace. It was just damn, that's right. But Sub-Rock but passed but, but the thing was, you know, I got into my shit. I broke up with the group. I felt like the group took sides. Other dudes took sides. But for me, it was really it was really a simple equation. Like I was just in a different headspace. And when I walked away from it, I was like, yeah, there'll never be nothing. There'll never be nothing. There'll never be. They won't ever do shit ever. Like without me, then then nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of how I felt. And then to add it so to their injury, 
OC Times Up and Nas Ilmatic. Like, how are you fucking with me? Oh, yeah, no, it's forget about so it. So how are you fucking with me? Like, none of y'all are fucking with me. Right. Right? Like, and the thing that was crazy, bro, and you can relate to this because not only you're a DJ, but you were an A&R and you worked on records. Nas, all I had to do was make sure the samples got clipped. Like, call LES, call Primo. Like, what right. records did you use? Like, do Fuck all of that. Michael Jackson, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He's one of the first people. Yeah. But with OC, OC was, it was pulling teeth. Like, I can tell you honestly, we had a, a building on 23rd Street. I can't tell you how many times I went on the roof and I was like, one of us are not going to be on this roof at the end of this argument. Like, we would, he would be so upset because Fudge Pudge, the record that he was on with Organized Confusion was so hot, he felt like I was jeopardizing his career because I was taking so long to make his record. And I said to him, I said, bro, trust me, please trust yeah. me. When we have the right record, you will know. Yeah. And one day he came into my office and he didn't say nothing. And I got worried. Like I thought he was going to like, and he just went to the dat player. And all of a sudden I hear, you lack the minerals and vitamins, ions and the niacin. Fuck who that I offend. Rappers sit back. I'm about to begin about false talk. And he said, I get it. And three weeks later, that entire album was done. Word life. By the way, rest in peace, Rob One. Absolutely. Um, put the turntables in my hands, 1982. 1984, we created HPA before he was in CBS, Hancock Park Artists. I didn't even fucking live in Hancock Park, and neither did he. But we fucking named a fucking crew called HPA. Um, shout out to Test One, Chris Chikiri. Uh, Emza Nardone. Uh, Emza Nardone is fam too. Um, I had not met Mike Nardone yet. Um, this is a long time ago. You remember, like, you know, he put the turntable on me and Leor, uh, aka DJ Lethal. And Rob One was the first person to service me because he was that Chrysalis. Um, he was a Chrysalis EMI. EMI serviced me the OC record. Because Wild Pitch was through EMI. And serviced me all the Gangstar records early and on. And Fat Cats and Bigger Fish, the coup. And the coup, by the way, Jesus Christ. I got game like I read the directions. Like the coup was. Dun, mm. dun, 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 dun. That shit was some crazy shit. So going yeah. on, rest in peace, Rob One. He gave me the OC record for the first time, and I said, he's like, bro, don't worry about spins, don't worry about record sales. This dude right here is God legend for real, and I'll just never forget that. But, and I'm sorry, it is what it is. Illmatic, five mics. I mean, bro, is what album, name an album better than that album. Is there one? It Honestly, for me, no. And there's close. For anybody with the, with the brain, over the age of 45, is there an album better than that? How, how about this? Is there anyone having a moment like he is with King's Disease 2? Oh, by the way. Is there anybody who's can, ever can, in the history? If he, dropped of the, the, if he dropped a duet album, just him and Lauren right oh, now. it's over. No, no, I'm being serious. No, it's over. Yo, dude, nobody? Yeah, I'm, dude. No, dog. Dude, dude. Look at the dude. We're looking at each other's goosebumps on and, our and, arms. And, our, and our, the hair standing up on our arms. Because Bro, this motherfucker, verse, Nas, I'm like, dog, I ain't listen to this fucker. Are you crazy? He made 20 million on Ring. You think I'm, or not, not Ring. What the fuck was the op? The, yeah, no, he made it on Ring and he made it on Lyft. Okay, I said, look it. Dude, bro, his manager, right? I'm like, look, dog, I'm not listening to no fucking Nas album right now. My boy goes, shut the fuck up, Yang. When he says Yang, bro, that's pre- 94, like, you know, 92, I'm sorry. Oh, is that your, that was your... I mean, my was, last name's Yang, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So he's like, Yang, 
bro, really? Bro, really? I'm going to play in the background just so you shut the fuck up. About maybe four songs in, I'm like, hold on, dog. Let me turn this up a little bit. Yo, bro, who is this guy? This is Nasty Nas. This yep. is this, this is, is the, Escobar. Yep. the rapper Nas, yep. right? The ra- no one knows the rapper Nas. Okay, right, right, that's right. main source shit. So right. is there an album? Fuck the moment. Is there an album in hip hop history besides like, okay, you could think of Straight Outta Compton. You know, there's some monumental shit here. And I'm saying, is there an album that, that really can fuck up Illmatic? No, absolutely not. Only 10 tracks, right? 10 tracks. Yeah. And my favorite part of that five mics editorial in the source was the comment next to the last line. They said, the only complaint we have is it's too short. Damn. And you know who gave me that record for the first time ever? I think I told you. No, who? Mr. Michael Green, Ems. Ah, shout out to the homeboy Ems. Yeah, so Ems gave me that record for the first time on a tape. <laughs> he was working on Martell at Triple Fi Soul for Julie Z. Shout out to Julie. Shout out to Julie. Yeah, worked at Triple Fi Soul. You know, it was just a, a No, it was it was it was crazy. an amazing moment. I, I remember Obviously, I remember hearing the album in its entirety. And also, I don't think I've ever shared this with anyone. My wife, because she was my wife at the time, was working for Puff. My wife was working for Puff. She was his assistant uh, in the administrative department. So she worked with Eloise. Shout out to Eloise. 93. So that's um, Uptown then. Yep. Okay. And um, she was bringing home... She'd jump in the car and say, oh, you got to listen to this. Puff just signed this uh, singer from Yonkers named Mary. Jesus. And she puts in the 411, right? Oh, he just signed this group from the Carolinas named Jodeci. Wait a second. Mary's from 914? I didn't know yeah, that. She's from Yonkers. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know Mary's Oh, he just signed this group out of the Carolinas named Jodeci. You got to listen to this record. By the way, right? that, that whole fucking... Jodeci fucked my whole shit up. Dog. Yeah. That was... yeah. And I just say, oh, yeah. And it's Genesis, and it's and she's like, oh yeah, and for that one moment, we were like, we're around the greatest music of ever, ever, ever. ever. Yeah, it was. It, those were great times. And you know what? For all the fucking YGs that are listening to this, man, like you can listen to us reminiscing all this. My my blessing, my hope to y'all is get here. Like for real, man. Don't fucking shit on your life. Don't think your life ain't worth shit. Don't don't be like out here, ratchets heavy, like ending your life at 25. Like get here, man, because I'm telling you, man, it's so sweet to reminisce, to sit here with BB. 30 years. Yo, and look at it and just enjoy it, man. Get here. Yeah. Be prosperous, be focused, be dedicated. But yo, have your life be valuable, man. Stop with these fucking answering shit with the ratchets in the street, man. Like, yeah, life no, is just... valuable, man. No, and I know a lot of y'all are trying to kill each other for the fucking dominoes that just came out, man. <laughs> $300 dominoes that I'm on eBay trying to get for $750. But yo, stop it. Just fucking stop it. I know I sound like an old dad. Just put it down. I Listen. will turn the car around if you don't fucking put the ratchet down. I will turn the car around. Dog, I wanted to ask you about the MC Hammer beef, but we're going to ask, we're going to do it on part two, okay? Part two. All right. But it's an hour now. We're an hour into this interview. Uh huh. I need you to tell me now. It's 2021, almost September. Mm-hmm. This is going to be coming out. It's going to be September when this interview comes out, okay. right? What are you up to now, bro? 
So the big thing is the first two things is is we're doing a uh, a podcast called Breaking Anonymity. Uh, we talk to some amazing people about recovery. You know, like I said, I, I you know I uh, I'm ten years deep. My partner Kyle Eustis is fourteen years deep between us. We've kind of experienced the blessing of recovery, and uh, we talk to other people that are just like Danny Boy from House of Pain, King Crooked, Royce the Five Nine, um, you know, just A plus Havoc. Danny Boy, but also Frank Gallagher, Brandon Novak, you know, all these amazing people who have experienced this relief Damn, of recovery. I wish, I wish Mac was still around when we talked yeah. to Mac, man. Yeah. So that's coming. That's dropping uh, September 29th. And then October 25th, season two of Did I Ever Tell You the One About podcast? Did I Ever Tell You the One About MF Doom? So that drops. Oh, shit. And then the third season of Search Says. So we got Gator. Got a three-part with Gator from Dave. Uh, amazing interview. Tells By us. By the way, me and Gator have been friends for a very long time. I just feel bad that, you know, um, not necessarily the crossfire, but like, you know, um, him, and, him and Tiger had a falling out. And, yep. and at the same time, I'm like, look, man, sometimes people have fallen outs here and there, whatever. You got, like, I want people to be able to survive or whatever. So, you know, Gator was always like, he was like a survivor, right? There was terrible rumors about him. There was like, people said he had HIV, crazy shit. Right. He was able to get out the mud. Yo, dude, and get yo get out the mud and get I, to the I talked fifty to him yard get to the fifty years. yard line at the LA Rams I, game. I haven't talked to him about two years, but you know what? It's never been no issues between me and him, so it's cool. Like, yeah, you know, nah, and the things that we talked about are just amazing. Like the MC that inspired him to like start ramen is incredible. So he shares that. He shares an amazing story about like his bipolar and and how it affected production. So. Third season of Search says all of that is under the Timeless Podcast Company. We got that popping off, and um, I'm working on a record. Really? Yep. Full rap? I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be a record, but it's called the name of the group is the Co-Defendants. I'm sorry. What I mean is it. Okay. Well, look. I'd rather just be surprised. I think you should be. Right. Yeah. Would I you? Think it would, should be. I mean, okay. I want to continue on what's going on right now. Yeah. But let's just say. Just completely hypothetically, if Dante Ross wanted to be involved in this record, what would you would you say? I would say I appreciate, thank you, but I'm gonna I'm I'm cool, I'm good. I appreciate I appreciate your energy, and I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Thank you so much for your interest. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. It means a lot to me. I respect your ear. I expect what you accomplished, but you're, I wish you all the, no, all the best good, in your future you're a good endeavors. Guy. Me and Dante have had some fucking crazy conversations about all kinds of random shit. I don't know why he got mad at me. for nothing. I'm like, bro, I looked up to you, so whatever. Actually, I had a conversation with him a few months ago on Clubhouse, and he was cool, so I was kind of surprised. I never know what to expect with him. Um, back to you, though. Yes, sir. I'm not going to ask you how do bills get paid right now. I want to ask you how do your kids eat off you right now if that oh, you understand yeah. what no, i mean no, no, you know no. like yeah, the yeah. deeper question so i mean look the one thing i i can share with you is I, i've always been an entrepreneur right and um i've always been incredibly fortunate in the businesses that i've invested in and the things that i've invested my time in and they've always uh yielded tremendous uh tremendous dividends so all of the things that i do bear fruit um, there is not a lot of challenges in Even that, that space. Even that tea company that sent me the Bruetta, thing. Bruetta tea, yeah. These, yeah. This guy sent me a tea thing where the cup, 
I don't have to worry about shit. I just put the yeah. fucking leaves in there and I'll yeah. never taste the fucking yeah. leaf because it and goes that, through a filter. Yeah, it goes through, yeah, it's a patented filter. Yeah. So that's a, another this company guy sent that me I'm investing. 79 different flavors of tea. I, even fuck, I know like yeah. six. The Marsala like, and. Bro, and, they, they had more shit than Coffee Bean did. Yeah. Like they had some crazy shit. Yeah. And so, even the disposable cups are very handy in the fucking uh, in the RV. Yep. They're good. I'm so glad um, you're enjoying that. There was yeah. caffeinated, not caffeinated. Well, yeah. my sister I had was a. Uh, um, what was the website again? Bruetta, Bruetta.com. B-R-U-E-T-T-A.com. For the you motherfuckers who really think you on that fucking real ginseng fucking uh Wusa, and we just released fucking, a hemp tea too. Yeah. If you're on that real fucking namaste shit, this is that shit. Yeah, this is next level. We just did a whole This is not even look at this ain't no Lipton. No, no, okay? no. Dave Chappelle has it at Yellow Springs. He takes it on the roll with him. It's no joke. Yeah, no, no. Nah. So everything that I do kind of peels off a dividend. Um, That's good. Yeah, so I'm very blessed that way. In the last 30 years, what's the most valuable thing in business that you've learned? Say what you mean and mean what you say. And how you do anything and is how you do everything. Okay. Fuck you. I'm joking, man. Love you too, brother. Love you too. So, am I crazy or... Yes. I heard you bring it up about 25 minutes ago. You said something about Mark Echo. People don't realize he was the first billionaire in street or first streetwear company to do a billion. Mm -hmm. You were involved in fashion. Yep. Can we get into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was one of the first four people to help Mark get into the marketplace. So me and Mark and Marcy built Echo Unlimited Clothing. I was there from when he made his first million to when he made his first billion. I was I there never for five years. Yeah. So, so, so I was in charge of my my responsibility for with Mark was to connect him to the street. So I did the all of the advertising you saw with Buster Rhymes, Fat Joe, Dave Chappelle, Rakim, Bobito, like Far Side. Who, who created that that Rhino uh, logo? Do you know or do that you was know? that was Mark? Mark created that logo. Yeah, yeah. Because his philosophy about it about just so you know about a Rhino. Rhinos don't go backwards. They only move forward. Rhinos is cannot. That a fact, yeah, that? that's a fact, though. So rhinos only move forward. The only way they can move is forward. They cannot move backwards. When you see Echo in like these random streetwear stores and you know, Eighth Ave in Brooklyn, Fulton Street in San Francisco on um, Haight Street, random areas, and then you see it in Macy's when Macy's was really would have been something. That fucked me up. When you saw Echo all over Macy's, that was a big deal. It's probably still there now, whatever. But we, So we, let me, I'll tell you the story about Macy's and Bloomingdale's. Okay. I was peripherally involved in helping that. Getting I, into Macy's? Yeah. Okay. It, when we were setting up Agenda and we were setting up ASR, which was the, ASR was the big street show at the time. Right. And Agenda was in LA. Small skate show. Right, yeah, yeah. In Vegas. So I get... Seth Gersberg, who is the money behind and see, you know, with Mark, comes over to me one day and he says, yo, here's the black card. Do whatever you got to do. And just, I need these people to be happy. But when they have come back, I need them to place orders in Vegas. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so I went to my homeboy, Franny Wong, my man Franzen. Franny, oh, Franzen. Yeah, yeah, that's my, my man. That's, no, that's my man. Be yeah. clear. So call Franny because Franny had just moved from the Bay Area to Vegas. I right. said, Franny, look, got the situation. I got to make these guys happy. He said, make guys happy? Shit, I'm going to pop my collar. Come get me. Come get him. 
takes me to a spot. I meet with the general manager. I say, yo, look, I need to send people over there to you. And all they're going to say is, search sent me. And I want these people to have the best time of their life. And when they come back, I need them to place orders. He said, done. Swipe the cart. And I left. The next day, I walked in. It must have been like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. Early, early. I walk in. Seth is charging me. Now, Seth is the little dude charging me. And all of a sudden, he's jumping into my arms. What the fuck did you do? What did you do? So what are you talking about? Whoever you sent, wherever you sent, they just booked 80 million in fucking sales. Whatever you did, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. So I just would go through the booth because we had this big booth. We called it the Death Star. And, oh, hey, how are you? you? Oh, you're a buyer? Go, why don't you go? And just say search sent me. I mean, just understand, you guys... You can't visually see this, and I can't visually tell you. Even if there was video on the show, you wouldn't understand. Unless you were at Magic or Agenda back in the day. Yeah. Unless you were, um, what the fuck was that bullshit, that shit, that where he said, that's not Ralph. What's that? Um, oh, U.S. Association Polo. Right. Rockefeller. Uh, Rockaware, sorry. Um, Fat Hill figure. You had to have one of those gigantic, multi-hundred million dollar brands in order to have these boots. Echo's booth was bigger than any retail store that I've ever owned in my. This was their fucking booth. Okay, yeah. forget it. better than bigger than any retail store I've and, ever and, owned. And and it was Mark's vision that he spent ahead of brand. Like he had such a vision, and I've been so blessed. Like whether it is in in the beverage space, or whether it's in you know reimagining the Air Force One line, or it's Echo, or working Complex with Nike magazine shit. Complex, yo, I we consulted Complex. You know, I, me and my, you know, so he had incredible vision. So I would just walk around the Death Star and be like, oh, go to and just say search send me, and these people would come back and be like, yo, we're in. Like this is incredible. So the funny thing is, I leave. 2000, I started focusing solely on radio promotion. I leave Echo, and I'm going to go do radio, like radio, radio, like host a show. Um, I don't know, like 2005, 2006, Mark calls me. Yo, did you ever shut that shit down? Shut what down? What are you talking about? Shut the shit down in Vegas. Why would I shut the shit down? It wasn't my card. You told me, search, I'm getting quarter of a million dollar fucking order every month like the fuck is going on I, said, I don't know what you what are you worried about like i don't know what you're talking about he's like shut that shit down it's not my card it went on and on and on like we they were making so much we were printing money 1.3 billion a year we were just printing money and like yo and they forgot it was there and people were just like oh sir sent me years after oh sir sent me you know what i have to be honest with you Franny being Filipino, proud, Bay Area, like... Mr. Pop Collar. I um, love that dude. He DJed our, the 20th anniversary. I hosted the 20th anniversary of Reasonable Doubt. He told Jay-Z when, you know, as soon as the line said, half black and a Filipino. So that fucked his whole world up. Um, Faking Fran no jacks, too. Franny's still with, uh, very tight with my entire cannabis team, with my Ben Bar Strain team. He's very tight with all my people, with Joel and all that. Did you do the Rockefeller chains that... Jay sent to everybody? Was that no, a Ben Bola? There, there, was, there was several different ones that are going on. It's funny because Jada Kiss just hit me right now. He goes, I need, he goes, Jay promised me a chain when, you know, when I went to Rock Nation, whatever. And he goes, I never got it. I need you to make me one. I sent him the one I just made like four months ago for, to Lenny S. And he goes, 
I need that chain. Shout out to my man Ray Ray too. My man Ray Ray got the chain and and he and he's stunting hard with it. And I'm like, no, for you sure. know it's crazy. Maybe I should put it out in the universe. I think I deserve a chain, and I'll tell you why. And here's the reason why. And I'll say this in all in all seriousness. I worked reasonable doubt, so I took Jay around radio, and I cleared the Nas for him to do presidents to represent Shit. me. Yeah, I didn't think about And that. I gave him the hookup. Beautiful. Lenny S's joint, like it's one of the beautiful. best, best. Yeah, it's the best. So, so going on. Um, so Jay, can I get a chain, please? <laughs> if, and if not, it's fine, but I just figured I would put it out because I know somebody from the Rock Nation camp listens to BB's podcast. and I, So maybe it'll happen. 100% somebody from Rock Nation listens. Um, Absolutely. And shout out to my man, Lenny S. You're a good human being. I love you, bro. Really good guy. He was an intern during Reasonable Doubt. It was crazy. I got two rock you know, chains. He had some Gucci slippers on. He thought he was fly. Fucking Lenny. You know what's funny is... Uh, uh, <laughs> Where's that line from? I it's the, the last line. skit on on Kanye's first album. Oh, okay. College Dropout. Yeah, Lenny so, came into the studio with some Gucci slippers on. By the way, that first album, guess who randomly hit me up off that first Kanye album? There's only probably one white person named, one Jewish oh, person named. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, the A&R kid, white, uh, Mike, Mike something. No, Joe Weinberger, 3H. Oh, 3H. Yeah. Oh, 3H, that's funny, 3H. 3H hit me up. He's a... Uh, oh, that's... Yeah, 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 3H. So I did a record with Hot Carl. That's how I know, and, and DJ More Meal. I met 3H when he was like 15 years old, 14 years old, so it's crazy and just... Did you do the three H chain that everybody? No. Okay. No, man, no. I, I, I love him. He's I just just saying no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going back is funny because before I was involved ever in Rockefeller, this is ninety five now. I didn't get until ninety six that so he came to Rockefeller. So he gained a priority. Uh, Kenny Burns was involved way yep. before I was, and Kenny Burns was there when there was in Honda Accord. You know, like that type of shit. Um, Kenny got his chain recently, so for fucking Jay. Like, that's a long time to wait for a chain, bro. 25 years. And Kenny's like, hey, bro, guess what? I was like, what? He goes, I ain't complaining. And I was like, what you want to say on the back? He goes, I want to say Kenny, Big Head, Burns, Rockefeller. I do not want to say Rock Nation. I want my fuckers to know it says Rock. Because it's different. Rockefeller chain, you need two, three votes. You need to have either Biggs and Dame, Jame and you know, It has to be two-thirds of the vote to say yes. Rock Nation, they are virtually the same. And 99% of the people won't be able to tell the difference. But some people can't. Rock Nation's, no one's going to tell the difference. But a Rock Nation, you know, you're good. Rockefeller kind of means a little bit more. Of course it does. Because, because there's so few people. I believe that. Sam Ronson still has her fucking. I'm going to just say this. I believe, I'm going to just put it out there. I want to put it out there to whoever's listening, whether it's Dame, Biggs, or Jay. When you came to me at Def Jam, when I was the head of CHR, and you said, we want to clear this. And I cleared the sample for 2500 oh, shit. and a quarter of the publishing on that song. For 2500 I think I deserve a change. Biggs, come on, That's man. A, Biggs, Me medium I'm size. a fan. And listen, I helped on the humble, on the humble, I helped break your St. John record at 15 stations. So I'm just saying, maybe, maybe the cracker from Queens could get an R chain. It's really not that important to me, to be totally honest. Now, nah, Biggs, you know, he approved mine, the second one, the little tiny and, one. And that's well-deserved. Yeah, and I had my, my first one in 01. Was it 2000, 2001? So I had, uh, when Biggs approved the second one, I got all three votes, obviously. Jay, of course, Jay, and, you, Dame, and, and rightfully deserved. 
You know what's funny? And again, I, I'm a pretty humble dude. I just want to put this out there for your younger listeners. Yeah. Because the one thing also I want your younger listeners to know is that if you want game from me, it ain't free. You can go to vidsig.com. I will put you up on game. You can schedule the meeting with me. It's all good. However, there's only been two other executives to have a successful clothing line, beverage company, clothing company. That's Puff. Yeah. Hove and me. It's crazy. It's fact though. Right. But I'm just much more humble. I'm trying to think. The masterpiece, no, past me did not have no beverage. I had beverage. And I can't say what kind of beverage because out of respect. And by the the way, shout out to Captain Morgan. That shit is crazy. Shout out to Captain Morgan. They got me a jet, dog. Dude, (laughs) that jet was crazy. Yeah. Good for you. Mazel tov. So beverage, clothing, records. I never understood how fucking tough it was when people say what it means to work a record. When you're going to the station to go see the MD, the Mm, PD, PD. to go see people to go do this shit. Mm -hmm. And one day I said a lot of bad shit about my promotional team. And then the CEO, Brian Turner, goes, Ben, do me a favor, you little shit. I want you to go to Jacksonville. I want you to go to uh, Tallahassee. I want you to go to Orlando. And I want you to go to these areas all through Florida. I was like, why? He goes, I just want you to go and meet the radio reps out there. And I want you to see what these guys are doing. Tuesdays were ad days, whatever. And I see these guys waiting in line. There's five other people, blah, blah. There's fucking Def Jet. There's this, this, and this. And when I saw what it meant to get a fucking, to work a record, to get an ad, and to get BDS spins and everything, when I saw how painful and how long, probably how fucked up it was, I took every single fucking person to Laurie's. I'll know? tell you a great story about working records and pressure. I was in a hospital bed. I was working at Tyrese Record. We were trying to take it to number one. There was one station that was holding out, which was a station I dealt with all the time in Miami. I had a Fisher removed that ruptured so i was literally had bacteria in my body and i was rushed to the emergency room and they're packing me with gauze that has you know antiseptic and they're pumping me with shit and the second i wake up i'm like what time is it i'm like 9 a.m i said i gotta get out of here i got a (laughs) one o'clock flight and the doctor's telling me if you leave the chances of you getting septic are about 75 percent I said, yeah, I understand that, but the chances of me not getting this record added if I'm not in Miami is 100. I went down there with the hospital bracelet on my wrist, saw the program director, said to him, do you understand how important this is for me? I'm sitting in front of you. I could be septic. I could die. I need this ad. And he looked at me. He said, that record will never get fucking played on my station. Why? Didn't fuck with Tyrese, didn't think it was right for his station. Damn. And the record didn't go to number one, and I got blamed and I got fired. So you talk about the dominoes, you talk about the shit that I got going on. I'm so happy for you, buddy. And the a way. lot of people don't realize the money, the power behind Network App is a man named Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy is responsible for some of the biggest music in the world ever, from U2 to uh, Nine Inch Nails, you name it. Fleetwood Mac. Beyond. Okay. Going on and going above, Jimmy gave Dr. Dre the cosign, even though I knew Dre. It was an executive thing. Once he said that, I was good to go to Aftermath. Black Market Records at the time, we didn't get the name. 
going on and going forward. When I found out that Lady Gaga's Let's Dance record was being worked for eight, you know, records are worked for like fucking, you know, month, three months, two months, whatever. Eight months to get added. He was like, fuck this. I don't give a fuck what you say. This record is a hit. It's going to go up and look at, there are records that are huge. There was fucking, what's the chick's name again? I forgot, but people don't realize, I've never heard this in my entire life. I've never seen this happen before my entire life. That song by Pussycat Dolls, Don't Ya? That was Tori Alamaze or something. How the fuck do you just, could you imagine if someone, three dudes became fourth base and took, put a record called Gas Face? I've never heard of that in my entire life. Brother, you think about Lizzo's first single. Right. Craig Kalman and the people at Atlantic worked that record for two years to get it to number one. Okay. Still, regardless, by the way, shout out to Craig and shout out to Mike Karen. What I'm trying to get at is Jimmy Iovine back then pushed that record. They're like, nah, 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 hell no, hell no. He didn't give up. Dog, no offense to Lizzo. She's huge. I've had combos with her. We talk shit in the DMs. It's funny as hell. She's cool. She says some funny shit. But we're talking about Lady Gaga. We're talking about but somebody. Lady Gaga wasn't Lady Gaga. I know. She was nobody. Cherry Tree Records. Lizzo, Lizzo saying, same thing. But, but what's crazy They needed Akon to co-sign that record in the sixth month to get that record to break. Jimmy begged Akon, sign this girl. Unbelievable. Facto. That's a how facto. About, how about Wale got a record with her? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like You could always say that. Shout out to Nike Talk. Like, Wale, bro, I, yes. I, you have a fucking record with her. I don't know. Look, man, we're in an hour and a half. This is officially probably my longest interview ever. Um, we're going to get to a part two. You got any shout outs before we before we? I mean, yo, out? I mean, just shout out to you, first and foremost. I mean, just thank you for your time. You know, I, I tell people all the time, the most valuable commodity we have at this point is our time. Right. That you spent it here. You could have been with your family. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate it. In Love, the words bro. of Jay-Z. Before we leave. And also, shout out to all of y'all who made, did I ever tell you the one about Big Daddy Kane, the first music-based podcast in the history of Apple to premiere and debut in the top five all nine episodes. Thank you for that. I hope that you'll be paying attention to Breaking Anonymity. And if you know somebody with recovery, please make sure they listen because I think we break a lot of stigmas and a lot of myths about a 12-step program. And that premieres September 29th. And to have to tell you the one about MF Doom, October 25th. It's going to be an amazing thing. Definitely going to be checking that out. Yes. I have one last question and we're going to commercial. Yep. I need to know, dog. Yes, sir. Have you listened to this Donda album? Of course. Listen to it today. What, I'm, here's the thing. I bought it directly when it came out. I don't stream shit. Be clear. This is how I feel. When you love an artist, you buy their shit. Right. I buy Ben Baller shit. I, I buy I shit. No, no, no. You don't get it. I'm telling you it. how to get it. No, I get it. You, this you, is, you support him for real. For real. Okay. Fuck all the streaming shit. Artists make point zero zero three eight no, cents a play. And I appreciate it. Ye's a billionaire. That's my friend. Fuck him. I have a question. <laughs> what do you think about Donda? I like the album a lot. Listen, I think that the Donda chant is one and done. I heard it. Thank you. That's a bypass. I don't. I can't listen to fifty-eight seconds of Donda, 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 no. Donda. God bless his mom. I love his. I love his Great. mom. Met her. I met too, her. Too much Jesus talk. But no, I'm not mad. I'm not even mad at that because in the lyrical content of how he breaks it down is incredible. I'm just. However, talking about, but that that locks record is crazy. crazy. 
And the record that he sampled, that thing, the Lauren Hill sample, yeah. is fucking genius. Say what you want about the man. He is a genius. He is a genius producer. He he just I said because he dragged it out. That pissed me off. So he took a half point. So I give him an eight out of ten for the record. I think that's fair. I, I would say right. I would say in, But I still in, think in source mic style, four yeah. and a half mics. I think I think still though. Four and a half mics. My beautiful dark twisted fantasy is just such a fucking oh. just an unbelievable oh. fucking oh. album, bro. And the second album. How do you fucking sample Aphex Twin analog bubble bat like Bro, dude, dude was out of his fucking mind. And not for nothing, we did it first on Derelicts of Dialect, but that's a whole other story. Look at you, bro. It's okay. Look at it's you. Okay. Look, we're going to get a part two. I would love that. We're going to get a part two because I'm going to talk about Hammer and I want to talk about some other shit. <laughs> sure. I want to talk about some other Hollywood stories. But ladies and gentlemen, that's MC Search. He gets the gas face. Never that. <laughs> Never right. that. Yo, Miles, man, let's cut to a commercial real quick. Throw on some Lakey Lake. We will be right back, y'all. Like we've talked about on the podcast before, relationships with significant others should add value to our lives. Thoughtfully designed toys for the bedroom can deepen your connection with your partner and leave everybody feeling satisfied. Dame Products is a woman-owned company making the next generation of toys for intimacy. Founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops its products with the help of real humans and couples just like yourself. Their mission is to make adding toys to the bedroom less intimidating and more accessible to create better intimate experiences for all. Dame's easy to use products are made with medical grade silicone, smart design principles, and lots of love. Earning glowing press from the New York Times, Wired, W Magazine, and many more. The best part? Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Get things cracking in the bedroom with the best name in the game. That's right, I am talking about Dame. Go to dameproducts.com slash baller today for 15% off the entire site. Again, go to dameproducts.com slash baller today for 15% off site wide. And thank me later. Yo, guys, man, I really do hope you uh, enjoyed that interview. Uh, MC Search, man, for real, like he's a fucking legend. I'm gonna have him back. There's more shit. There was beef with MC Hammer. There was uh, a lot of shit that I want that I wanted to continue on. We just could have gone forever. There's uh, a few people I know I can go toe to toe with this shit. And man, guys, follow this dude. You know he's really been involved in some amazing historical shit. And um, his music was a big part of my life. His, his era was even bigger. And this dude was really a fly on the wall in so many different rooms. You know. Joe Rogan got COVID-19 and um, there's a big fucking shitstorm that's going on between it. Some people are like, oh, you know, he took uh, ivermectin and fucking this and that, whatever. You know, man, I just don't even give a fuck, right? The bottom line with Joe is 
He has incredible doctors on call. He has access to the best of the best, right? He got some crazy fucking antibodies. He's got some other shit. He's had, you know, the best, um, again, the best advice medically, even though he's talking that stupid ass shit, whatever. I mean, dude is filthy rich. He has access to a lot of things, whatever. And he admitted to taking the fucking horse dewormer and whatever. And you know what? There might be, look, the CDC, you know, and the fucking Surgeon General said, uh, hey, don't wear masks or whatever. Masks are not good. And remember, I went fucking apeshit on them. So, I, you know, you just have to listen to, I don't listen to the CDC necessarily, but like I haven't yet to hear an epidemiologist give me the wrong advice, right? Um, Fauci, cool, you know, whatever. I'm not really tripping on dude. But when I'm listening to these anti-vaxxers, right, especially that fucking, what is that, that Scott Brown, or whatever the fuck his name is, that, that doctor, I hate... I would fucking hate for someone to call me a fucking doctor. And some people could fucking give me these arguments all day long, but he's not even a doctor of philosophy. And motherfucker, you know, he's got a PhD in literally in regular education, has no medical background at all whatsoever. This motherfucker is as much of a doctor as Dr. Pepper is, right? These guys have spread so much false information. It's just fucked up. But look, Joe Rogan got it, says he feels better in a matter of a few days. What about the regular person that makes $40,000 a year, right? Doesn't have access to any of that shit and has to wait in line at the hospital, whatever. So a lot of shit going on right now, man. It's getting crazy, right? There, there is a surge, you know, of COVID amongst kids. Um, I just found out that Kaya can't get the vaccine. So I'm kind of bummed out she misses it because she's not five yet. So, you know, London Ryder are going to get it next month for sure. You know, there's no doubt about it in my mind. But we had a slight scare with Kaya and Ryder. I didn't bring that up earlier. I forgot. But, you know, um, I had to keep him home for two days and we had to get him tested back to back. A um, couple kids got sick. Uh, I don't know if there's an actual official case of COVID in the school yet. Nothing's been said, but they've tested negative two days in a row. So they're going back to school today. But yeah, you know, there's just crazy shit going on. And, and um, you know, I just feel, again, I feel defeated, not just by my family and stuff, but just for the fact that people just don't get it, you know, and that's cool, whatever. You know, it is Labor Day. I want to have people have fun, you know, and go out there. I just don't understand. It's it's someone like me who's not very fond of the government, is not fond of a lot of different things. And if I could follow it, like, why can't you, right? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Anyways, guys. Underdog Fantasy is giving away, with me obviously, giving away a $60,000 custom chain. Please do not sleep on this opportunity. I mean, I would think that you guys want to get a chain, right? That's what people know me most for. Well, you get a chance to make a custom fucking chain. You want to make a chain that says Dick Stain Donald Trump? You want to make a chain that says fucking Kaka PP, right? You want to make a fucking chain of a bumblebee with yellow and black diamonds? and wearing some sunglasses, I will make it, okay? Just go to underdogfantasy.com, make a deposit, use code BEN, all right? You have until September 7th to do this. Use the Underdog Fantasy apps, whatever it is. I'm telling you guys, don't miss on this opportunity, all right? Cryptocurrency is going fucking crazy. Yo, uh, Bitcoin is back at 50K. Ethereum 
is, you know, close to hitting, you know, it could hit 4K. This shit is starting to get fucking nuts right now. My crypto wallet is starting to dance crazy. So guys, I don't know, man. You know, I know there's little small little coins to see the people talking and shit, hex and all this other shit. I'm not fucking with no nouveau shit no more. All right. There's some things that are coming up like social coins. I might start fucking with things like that, whatever. By the way, NFTs are going fucking insane. All right. Shout out to the Doge Pound. Doge Pound NFTs just dropped some puppies yesterday. You know, we minted a couple. I minted a couple. Sorry. They're going crazy right now. Shit is going nuts. I had sold shit. I didn't even think it was fucking good. I mean, just it's crazy. Right. I did an easy six figures this week without even blinking. And I undersold my shit. And the crazy part is I put in almost nothing. All right. So crypto is going crazy. Guys, don't get left behind. We are in a digital world and motherfuckers is playing cassettes. That's cool for nostalgic values. But if you're talking about long term, do you see what's going on? Have you guys heard Social Security is supposed to lose all its benefits by like 2034? That's only 13 years from now. Like, now, I was misled by the headlines in CNN, but pretty much this shit is sounding like a Ponzi scheme. I have been putting in for 30 plus years of my life money getting charged for Social Security, right? And I'll be damned, you know, like later I should be able to get that shit back, right? My mom, I'm praying to God my mom's alive for another 13 years, you know? I'm praying that she still gets her shit, but Nicolette's dad is relatively young, 13 years. He might not be retired yet. Oh, I don't know. But this is fucked up. So what I'm telling you guys is make sure you got a plan B, plan C. I have all the way to a plan P, all right? Literally, P as in pussy. I have literally, I keep planning and planning and I got still a long way to go because I'm trying to hold down the kids, right? That's a whole nother conversation because it just made me think about what what Tracks NYC said about robbing them of, the, of, of their childhood and growing up and whatever and of their adolescence and all that. But anyways, guys, crypto, baseball cards, shit's going crazy. All right, by the way, my next Project 70 card is uh, Pete Alonzo, a.k.a. Polar Bear. Next month, we have an official release uh, time frame. Sorry, no exact date yet, but we are looking at early October for my Topps Chrome. Guys, Tops, my Topps Chrome is still going for $400 a box, okay? Do you understand? It has been a year, over a year, and my Chrome is still hitting double retail this shit has been one of the best Chrome boxes in a long time. This new Chrome is off the chain. Cannot wait to start giving some way. Can't wait for motherfuckers to get in their hands. Shit is crazy. All right, speaking of crazy, I finally deep dove into Yellowstone, the TV show. I bought season one, I bought season two, season three. I'm on episode six, season one. This show is definitely fucking good. Very, very good that fucking country cowboy, farmland, mafia shit, I highly recommend um, watching it. I'm thinking about going to movie theaters and shit and just kind of like maybe buying like 30 seats so no one can sit next to me, but I really want to see Candyman. If anyone's seen the new version of Candyman, please tell me what you thought. Last but not least, I hit up this new spot owned by a couple skaters, a couple mutual friends. If you are in the Los Angeles area, there is a new Burger Boss restaurant in town. It is called Burger She Wrote. 
It is literally right next to the Grove. It is between La Brea and Fairfax on Beverly Boulevard. Again, Burger She wrote, 100% grass-fed Wagyu beef. I suggest anything, okay? The fucking Oklahoma, incredible. This is the best burger in LA right now. Smash burgers, of course, so fucking delish. Incredible. Just trust me. It's a different world right now with, with the burger shit, but incredible. All right. All right, guys, that is it. I really do hope you guys have a safe Labor Day weekend. Um, we're either going to jump in the RV or we're going to do something as a family. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm shooting for GQ today. So even though I've canceled all my other shit, by the way, guys, I'm being dead serious. Besides finishing off the biggest chain of my career, which I'll be delivering soon. I'm going to be doing little minor things. I've pushed some things back. Obviously, the podcast is now once a week with the football uh, picks on Saturdays. I have literally stopped everything so I could focus on the family, focus on being a dad, focus on helping my wife, focus on being a, a husband and having conversations. Me and my wife went on a date yesterday, you know, at lunchtime. We had like a, a different day. We haven't been on a fucking date for dinner or lunch. Yes, we've been on vacations here and there with this, but I'm talking about just me and her. We haven't done that since fucking our anniversary, which is February 25th, okay? It's fucking crazy. So that's what I'm doing right now. But today, I am shooting for GQ Magazine with my homie, CL. You may know her if you fuck with K-pop really hard. She is from the Korean K-pop girls group, 21. They are a legendary group signed under YG Entertainment. Um, CL is like the original Nicki Minaj of Korea, so shit is crazy. She, this is going to be dope. I'm honored that she asked me to be in this shoot. And that's what I got going on. By the way, speaking of Koreans, shout out to Jay Park for getting me my Nike, uh, official Nike Korean dunks, the Korea dunks, uh, whatever the fuck they're called. But yo, shout out to my boy Jay Park. All right, guys, that is it. Um, I hope you enjoyed this interview. It is uh, many more to come. There are many more interviews to come. Again, guys, please subscribe. Again, it helps us out. Doesn't mean we're going to stop, you know, this plan to do video. We can still do that. I just can't afford to put out more than one full episode a week, right? So subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show, guys. BTB is still in full effect. We are going to just give you 110% uh, one and a half times a week pretty much, all right? So thank you again. God bless. I do love you guys so much, more than you'll ever know. This is one thing that kind of hurt because this is the thing that I enjoy doing the most is one of my biggest releases, but it also takes up a lot of time. You know, just so you know what Miles and, and Jordan do, it takes an hour to edit 15 minutes. So if you have an hour episode, it's four hours. If we have an hour interview, it's eight hours because it's me and it's the other sound. So it ain't no joke what Miles and Jordan do. It's a lot. All right. So hand claps to them. All right, yo, I hear that Lakey Lake already. Yo, Lakey, you in, you in a rush? <laughs> what the fuck is good, man? Or Miles, was that you, Miles? We are out of here, guys. I will see you Monday with the first new format episode show. 110% free game always. I love you guys. Have a great weekend. Peace.